listeners, and welcome back to Selling Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin Harris, and I'm excited to share with you that my guest for today's episode is Dr. Karsten Brun. He's the president and CEO of Selecta Biosciences, and as always, we're going to jump right into the good stuff. But first, thank you, Karsten, for being here today. I'm looking so forward to chatting with you. Thanks for having me, Erin. I'm excited. Absolutely. So, Let's talk a little bit about your background. So you spent some serious time in big pharma in your career, and I want to talk a little bit about the why behind your move to Selecta Biosciences, which for our listeners is a clinical stage biotech company. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so I I spent, um, I would say, the majority of my career in big pharma, Um, you know, actually really around the world, uh, started out in the U.S., spent time in Europe, Asia Pacific, uh, back to the U.S. Um, but, you know, I in between, actually, I worked for a very small biotech back in Europe and a mid-sized uh, company back in Asia. And I always enjoyed the smaller companies. You're closer to the innovation. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I <clears throat> moved back to the U.S., I, you know, I, I was leading a large uh, pharma organization uh, for, for the Americas region and really wanted to go back into a, a smaller, more innovative company. And, you know, I was looking uh, really across the board. I looked at, you know, uh, venture back companies, so earlier stage, um, but I really decided I want to go into a, a clinical stage company. Uh, and I came across um, Selecta Biosciences and was really intrigued by the science. Um, you know, really strong um, preclinical data, some initial clinical data, um, which got me really excited. Uh, I think broadly misunderstood by investors. Um, the initial program was in gout. Uh, which is a, a large amid need, but you know maybe not as you know, attractive as some of the other areas. Um, and uh, I was just excited by the potential of the platform. You know, I didn't want to have a single asset company where you know it's really a binary outcome. Um, and uh, that got me excited. And and I saw the potential really uh, of the technology in g- in gene therapy actually. And that's a, a big pivot we made the last two years. And then ultimately, actually, in autoimmune disease. So we've made quite a pivot over the last couple of years. But that really got me excited in terms of the basic science behind this, uh, but also the quality of the people behind the company. So the company was uh, founded by um, Bob Langer at MIT and Uli van Andrian, who is a immunologist at Harvard. So, you know, really solid, uh, great board, uh, great set of investors. So I, I think the whole package got me excited and, and the opportunity to come in and uh, kind of reposition the company and, and you know, and, and make an impact. Good, good. Well, we're certainly glad you did and uh, thrilled to hear you're excited by the science because that's actually what I want to turn to uh, from a gene therapy perspective. You're, so Select is immune tolerance platform, which is known as IMTOR. Is that correct? Am I pronouncing that's it That's correct. Right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. IMTOR, I-M-M-T-O-R, uh, for use in gene therapy with AAV vectors that can mitigate the unwanted immune responses that cause these immunorelated toxicities that mm-hmm. are imposing significant treatment challenges with the current ter- therapy. So talk to us a little bit about IMTOR and, and the why behind it and where it's going. Yeah, yeah, and actually, Imtor is what we got me excited about the company. So it's an um, it's a it's a platform. It's a biodegradable nanoparticle that encapsulates the immune modulator rapamycin, and what it does, it induces antigen-specific immune tolerance. 
Um, so what this means is you, you infuse mTOR. Um, it's the size of a, uh, of a virus. So it's taken up by the immune system, by the spleen. In the spleen, there are so-called um, antigen-presenting cells. Um, they need to take up the nanoparticle. And then in the nanoparticle, actually, in dendritic cells, um, the um, rubomycin is released. Uh, and one of our co-founders, Uli van Andrian, found that if you have high doses of rubomycin in dendritic cells, you actually induce immune tolerance versus if you give free rubomycin, you just get immune suppression, global immune suppression. And so we're basically, we're coding rubomycin. We get it targeted in those dendritic cells. Uh, it's released there and you get an immune tolerance induction specific to an antigen. And what's exciting about it, it's, it's agnostic to the antigen. So our lead acid in gout is a highly immunogenic enzyme um, of fungal origin, um, clearly works there. In gene therapy, the antigen is the AAV capsid, basically. So it's, you know, it's, um, it's just a different antigen. It's the same formulation that we use. Uh, we might use different doses, but it's the same uh, uh, formulation. Um, and that's how we kind of pivoted from enzyme therapies, which we're still pursuing, um, to to AV gene therapy. And and obviously, there, you know, your your listeners know there there are a number of um, unmet needs around AV gene therapy. One is the fact that uh, it's it's not a one and done as people initially thought. You know, durability um, has been an issue with with AV gene therapy. Uh, but because AV uh, capsids are highly immunogenic, you can give a second dose. So you're kind of limited, you're stuck with a single dose. Um, so we initially started out, you know, are we able to potentially enable redosing of gene therapy? Uh, but along the way, we found a lot more potential benefits of mTOR. Uh, for example, we saw in, in a non-human primate study, a pretty potent first dose benefit, which means you give AV with mTOR at the first dose, we actually saw a 60% higher expression of the transgene, which potentially means you can give a lower dose, actually, um, you know, which is uh, cheaper from a manufacturing perspective, but also uh, potentially safer. Uh, and then the third benefit, which we've, we've seen in, in, in various animal models, that mTOR is also highly hepatoprotective uh, because you see an, an elevation with AV gene therapy, uh, of uh, hepatic enzymes, uh, which we might also uh, impact uh, with mTOR. So there's, there's really a number of potential benefits um, that we've demonstrated uh, all the way from rodent models, non-human primates, and uh, last year also in, uh, in a human healthy volunteer model actually as well. So, um, so it's really an exciting time actually, um, you know, because there's, I think everybody realized what the unmet need is. And I think the FDA made it very clear that redosing and durability uh, and safety are all key issues, which we might all address uh, with mTOR. Good, good, sure. And I wanna talk a little bit about that, the phase one data in humans, uh, which you announced in Q4 of last year, showing reduced neutralizing antibodies against empty AAV capsids when they're co-administered with mTOR. So that's really significant. And we want, I'd love to hear more about that. Talk to us about the findings and what's next with that. Yeah. So um, it was quite an, an innovative study, actually. So it's a healthy volunteer study 
we're, we gave an, an empty AV8 capsid, so no transgene. So it's the ultimate platforms, you know, study uh, independent of a disease model. And uh, we, we gave a dose of, uh, of the vector of 2E12. Then we tested two different doses of mTOR, uh, 0.15 mix per kick and 0.3 mix per kick. Both doses were uh, in the clinic before in the GAUT program. And actually the 0.15 uh, dose is actually used in the phase three program. So we've got good safety database, uh, safety data around this. Uh, and we looked at, um, you know, uh, basically a dose escalation study to see, do we see a dose response? And, and the primary endpoint was, are we able to prevent the formation of neutralizing antibodies? Um, that was really kind of the, the, uh, the thing we wanted to look at. Uh, on a secondary note, we also wanted to see whether an empty capsid actually is immunogenic. That hasn't been actually tested in humans. Um, and you know the, the, the short answer is yes, it's highly immunogenic, which actually plays a role in, in some of the safety uh, issues that you've seen in, in certain clinical trials where the empty to full ratio actually, you know, is pretty high. So exposing patients to more viral load actually through the empty capsid. So that was an interesting finding as well. But uh, we were primarily looking at, are we able to prevent the formation of those antibodies at certain time points? We're specifically looking at day 30, because we've shown in non-human primates, if we control NAP titers at day 30, we can give two additional doses of mTOR and control them long-term. Uh, this was a healthy volunteer study. Uh, we felt, you know, we wouldn't get regulatory approval and, and felt it wasn't ethical to expose basically patients to an empty capsid plus three doses of mTOR. So we only tested, um, you know, uh, gave a single dose um, of mTOR. And what we saw was extremely encouraging. So if you look at day 30, um, first of all, we saw that the empty capsid elicited a very strong immune response, the titers peak at day 14, the title one to 7,000s and kind of level out above uh, one to 1,000. So well beyond the ability to redose. So very high vector doses. Uh, in the arms with mTOR, uh, we saw at the higher dose of mTOR 0.3 that 100% of the health of volunteers had titers of one to 25 or lower, which already is a very good um, outcome. Um, and 60% um, had titers of one to five or lower. And that's usually the cutoff, um, you know, in gene therapy trials. That basically means there are no um, antibodies around. So we found that a very encouraging uh, finding. Uh, if you look out to day 90, we also saw what was expected that the antibody titers go up to control levels um, since you still have um, capsid around um, and, and you probably need two additional doses of mTOR to control them long-term. Um, but we have shown in non-human primates, you know, that we were able to do this with three monthly doses. And we have a lot of experience giving monthly doses of mTOR uh, in the gout trial. We actually give out to 12 monthly doses, so over a whole year. But uh, we believe that we only need three monthly doses. Um, we have shown that, you know, after 90 days, the, the, the capsid is pretty much gone. So the antigen is gone. Um, so that was the, the, the primary um, kind of endpoint we're looking at. But of course, we're also interested in uh, safety as well. And we're also pleased there. We saw no SAEs and the AEs we observed were in line with uh, previous studies. 
The most common side effect um, was uh, stomatitis, uh, which are mouth ulcers, which are easily treated with a steroid mouthwash. Um, and obviously in a healthy volunteer study, um, it, you know, it is not great to have a mouth ulcer, you know, uh, you want, want to eat, but obviously in a clinical trial, it's, it's very easily uh, managed. Um, the second most common uh, side effect um, that, that we saw was, I think, you know, rash, but didn't require any treatment. And I would say it's also, you know, very acceptable uh, for, for a gene therapy trial. So overall, we're very pleased actually with, with the side effect uh, profile. And the next step really is for us to, to take this now into a clinical indication. Um, so, you know, we're, it's the first time that anyone has shown um, that a pharmacological intervention actually prevents formation of NAPs um, to very low levels. So I think that was the, the, the key finding. Um, and for us is now to take this into our first clinical indication, which will be in MMA uh, in kids, which is methamphetamine acidemia. It's a rare metabolic disorder in, in kids. I want to talk a little bit about your new deal with ginkgo. So first of all, talk to us about, for listeners who may not know, what exactly ginkgo is, mm -hmm. um, because it was announced earlier this year about the engineering capsids that are immune tolerant. So talk us through, talk us through that. Yeah. So, so Ginkgo Bioworks is a synthetic biology company. Um, I would say the leading synthetic biology company. They went public last year with the biggest ever SPAC in, uh, in biotech. Um, they raised uh, close to 2 billion. Um, so uh, very successful um, uh, SPAC. And really what makes them unique is their ability uh, for high throughput screening and uh, be you know, much faster than conventional um, drug discovery. And we initially did a deal with them actually, and they um, started out with industrial enzymes actually and agriculture now in getting into biotech space. And we did a deal with them last year to leverage their uh, platform uh, to develop novel enzymes. So we have an existing relationship with them um, and they're expanding their, their expertise. They're getting into AV gene therapy. Um, they, they have an existing deal with Biogen, with Aldevron and built a, a quite a strong in-house AV team. Uh, and they approached us based on the, on the empty capsid data and said, you know, we would like to develop a, a novel capsid with you guys actually. And while it's not core necessary to our business, we're not a capsid company, but um, we quite like the concept uh, of you know, developing a, a less immunogenic capsid and a, a capsid that's better at transducing. Uh, so the transduction efficiency is quite low with most AV capsid. And that's why you have to give quite a high dose. So uh, if we were to able to develop um, an engineered capsid that is less immunogenic, um, that is better at transduction in combination with mTOR would be quite a differentiated um, offering. That's the reason we, we, we did the deal with, with Ginkgo and, and really fits our strategy that we we're trying to enable uh, gene therapy. That's really what we're, what we're doing with our um, tolerance platform uh, with mTOR. Um, that is another building block of that. Um, we also in licensed last year and IgG protease, 
uh, which we also uh, plan to use in gene therapy and really addresses uh, about 20 to 50% of patients have pre-existing immunity to AV. So they had a natural AV infection and are not eligible to AV gene therapy. And an IgG protease potentially addresses that. So that enables more patients to be eligible to gene therapy. So we have quite a unique offering with mTOR, um, the IgG protease, and, and down the line, potentially a novel um, AV uh, capsid. Good. Yeah. And that's actually one of where I want to go next is looking at the roadmap, even for 2022 uh, and perhaps even a little bit beyond. Talk to us about the technology roadmap and what our listeners can expect from Selecta in the next year or so. Yeah, we'll be, uh, it's a busy year for us, a transformation year for us, hopefully. Um, we are, if you look at the three pillars of our pipeline, the enzymes, gene therapy, and autoimmune disease, uh, we'll develop all three um, further. Uh, around the enzymes, we'll have a readout of the phase three study in chronic refractory gout. So that's a major milestone for us. Um, that is a partnership with Sobi, is a Swedish rare disease company. So I think they're significant financial milestones coming our way if the study is successful. So that's an important milestone for us financially to be funded. And obviously, um, at the moment, the, the, the gene therapy field is under pressure. I mean, it's not the most loved space, um, but we're still very excited about it and think it's going to turn around. Um, so this will be an important source of funding for us. Um, we hope to enter the clinic with our NMA program um, by uh, middle of this year. So we're going to be uh, clinical stage with our first uh, uh, AV uh, gene therapy, which is very exciting. We're accelerating the IgG protease, which we in licensed last year. Um, and, and we have a number of partnerships as well uh, in the gene therapy space uh, with Sarepta, for example, with Takeda, with Asbio. Um, so there's hopefully also further progress uh, from, from those partnerships. And we're also in the process of uh, further evolving our mTOR platform, actually. Uh, something that we right now uh, kind of call mTOR Plus, which is a combination of mTOR with an IL-2 agonist. And we saw you know, very nice synergistic effects around inducing uh, antibiotic immune tolerance. That's something we're gonna evolve further as well. And we see specific applications uh, in the autoimmune space. Um, so it's going to be a, a very busy, busy year for us in 2022. I'll say, I'll say, well, hopefully later on this year, you can come back and talk to us about exactly how all of that went off without a hitch and you're moving forward again. That's great. Looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests uh, a question to kind of get to know who they are a little bit better when they're not in the office of the lab. And so what I want to know from you is what's your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Yeah. So if you're not in the, in the office or the lab or um, at home in my home office, like uh, most of us actually, I love to be in the kitchen. Uh, I'm a passionate uh, home cook. Um, I have, uh, I wouldn't say a professional, but the semi-professional kitchen and uh it's what kind of relaxes me. It, uh, I love to go, you know, to local farmer's market and, and be in the kitchen over the weekend and uh, cook for right now for family, but uh, hopefully uh, post-pandemic uh, for friends again as well. For sure. What's your favorite dish to cook? Um, it, it varies uh, week by week, um, but uh, I've 
recently discovered a Japanese slow cooker. So I've been making uh, all kinds of stews with meat, without meat. Um, so I love that at the moment. It's pretty easy as well. It's pretty hands off. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And that sounds really good. And I live in uh, Pennsylvania and a, and a hearty stew is perfect this time of year. So exactly right. I think that's great. Well, thank you for that. That's really, that's really exciting. Uh, so keep us posted too on the, on your new, on your, as you enhance your menu. <laughs> we'll sure do. <laughs> good, good. All right, listeners. Well, that wraps up another episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. Thanks to Selective Biosciences, Dr. Karsten Brun for being my guest. Uh, you're welcome back anytime, Dr. Brun. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Pleasure. Uh, absolutely. All right, listeners. Talk soon. Talk soon.